um, the Old Testament, which talks about being refined by fire. And I love that passage because oftentimes what we sort of think about when it comes to, um, you know, like being Christian is it's all going to be kumbaya and, you know, we're all happy. And you know, actually, like you, you go through stuff and, and oftentimes like whatever that is, it, it might not be the hand of God that did that. But like, you know, like you went through something, you were the victim of something and, and it's really painful um, as you kind of journey through that. But God will use that in order to refine you. Uh, over time yeah. and that passage talks about being a refining fire what the the, the goldsmith would do is heat the gold up and then all of the the rubbish would come to the the, the 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 i think it's called dross that that would come to the surface and then it would get scraped off and put in the trash and then the gold would cool and then they'd repeat the process over and over and over again and the goldsmith would know that the gold was ready when he could see his own reflection in it. Hey guys, welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we'll be talking each week about how a man can rally around the gospel. A relationship with Jesus affects every aspect of our life. So in some weeks, we'll talk about theology, sometimes marriage, parenting, health, personal development, and probably a lot more. No one person has all the answers, so my hope is that this feels like a conversation with friends as we grow together and explore life as a Jesus follower and as a man. I'm Chris Cirillo, your host. Don't hesitate to hit me up on social media. Uh, Just come say hi, comment on this week's episode, and be sure that if you enjoy the podcast, to subscribe and please leave a review. It's so helpful for other people to find and hear the podcast. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the Rally Point Podcast. I've got an incredible interview today. Um, This is a very dear friend of mine, somebody that uh, I've gotten to know for the last three or or so years. Um, His name is Elliot Crowther and is the uh, co-founder of a company called PushPay that I have the honor of working at and um, had an incredible time getting to know him during his years there. Um, Elliot, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's good to be here and it's really cool to catch up, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks so much for taking time guys. For, for, for those of you who don't know Elliot, he is an incredible guy. And like I said, when I first came to push pay, um, I was, I was new to, uh, the type of role that I was doing and, and Elliot was super generous with his time being, <laughs> being the all-star of the team, if you will, and the, and the co-founder of the company, he um, more or less took me under his wing, spent a lot of time mentoring me, not only in our process as a company and how we really serve the church well and and, and honor people in, in the way that they are uh, doing church and, and trying to help the communities that they're around, but uh, also mentoring me in leadership and, and uh, helping me understand how to uh, grow as a man of God. And so just grew an incredible friendship with him. So thankful for uh, who he is and thought who is more perfect to join us on the Rally Point podcast than Elliot himself. So Elliot, for those that don't know who you are and don't know your story, um, talk about what was your childhood growing up like? What was your faith journey? And then maybe what was it that led you into uh, the season where you were working at Push Pay and and um, trying to help churches with generosity. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. Well, I think 
Um, for me, I grew up in New Zealand, which is where that super strange accent comes from. So uh, you might have to do a little interpreting here. But um, I uh, was on the other side of the world, obviously, and, and kind of grew up there and, and uh, grew up in a Christian home. My mum and dad loved God and, and were just an amazing example to me of, of uh, so many cool things that you know I really admire and I think are godly attributes. And so probably pretty young, uh, you know, got into various different things, whether it be sport or, you know, uh, things like that. I actually, I was into cycling uh, pretty heavily through my adolescence and into my young adult life and um, had the chance to, uh, to to represent my country and go to the world championships and all those sorts of things on my bike. And I was, I was, a, I was a good bike rider, but not quite good enough so that the really good guys could do what I could do maybe sort of, you know, they can do it, you know, 10, 15, 20 times a year. I could be world-class maybe once a year, um, if that. And and so that was good enough to get me just about there, but not there. And so, um, but I think cycling was kind of cool. I learned a ton about, you know, I think hard work and, and uh, you know, being prepared for the miles and both literally and figuratively, I'd, I would train, you know, five, six, seven hundred miles in a week um, and uh, rain, hail, shine and, and I, I really worked hard at that, and uh, and in amongst that, I, I you know I was really privileged, like I said, to to grow up in a Christian home. I think, interestingly, you have to make your own decision about faith at some point. And so, for me, that happened pretty early on. But I did have an extraordinary example in my mum and dad to sort of emulate and watch. Um, so I went to university and actually didn't end up finishing what I started there, but, uh, partway through, I kind of left university to, to pursue the cycling more. And I, like I said, I was good, but not quite good enough. So it was sort of right on that edge of like, you know, you're close enough, you can keep dreaming, but not, not, uh, not good enough to, to, to get that pro contract. But so I, I sort of hung that, the wheels up and, um, and amongst that, I started a kind of a sales job actually and it was the first time I'd ever done sales at all I hadn't uh, had any experience with that and, and I, I literally thought sales was like 30% off you know I didn't I didn't know what it was you know I didn't know what it meant and uh, I had a lot of success early on actually and and learned a ton and and pretty quickly kind of realized that there was this like inverse relationship between time and money you either had one or the other um, you were kind of always, you know, exchanging time for money or vice versa. You could, you know, have a ton of uh, money but have no time, and vice, you know, vice versa. You could have a whole lot of time, you probably you know, relatively cash poor. So I, I felt like, you know, when you put the combination of resources and, uh, you know, and time together, uh, you, you know, that's when really special things could happen, and you could have an impact on people's lives and. Um, so I, interestingly for me at that same time, God was speaking to me about generosity and maybe we'll talk some more about that soon, but there was sort of this, this dual track of understanding and learning and intrigue that was happening. And so I, I kind of began asking God, would you give me an idea? Would you help me to understand business? And would you um, kind of let me uh, really think about uh, business the way you think about it? Help me think about money the way you think about money. And uh, I, I was praying for that for about a year, and then one day I had this idea for for PushPay, and I uh, called my buddy Chris and I said, hey, "I've got this idea, we should do it." And he said, "Yes." And you know, I used to take all my bad business ideas to him, and he would laugh at me. And, and we were really good friends. And and when I say laugh at me, he was kind of you know just nah, I think that's dumb. Let's not do that. And and one day <laughs> I, I sort of took this idea, you know, which was PushPay, and he didn't laugh. So I knew I knew we were onto something. 
but um, you know, an idea is not really worth a whole lot without any execution, um, which is probably being generous. Uh, ideas are really worth not much at all. They're kind of entirely worthless unless you're willing to put effort and energy and execution behind it. So, so we we started kind of thinking about that, and we kind of had this crazy goal with the mobile platform that we were talking about. Wouldn't it be Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to uh, see a billion dollars given into local churches? Um, we're both really passionate about generosity and and felt like that would be really cool to be able to sort of make that type of impact and mm-hmm. um, you know like New Zealand is a pretty small place uh, you know it's about four million people roughly give or take and you know so the GDP of the country is kind of small and, and there's not many churches down there you know so we thought well if we're really serious about this we better move to America um, you know a billion dollars I, I kind of maybe the best way of helping to describe that like if I was to convert dollars to seconds, you would be able to kind of get a bit of picture of that. Like a million seconds is about 11 days, whereas a billion seconds is about 31 years. So you start to get a picture of like what type of impact a billion dollars could, could have into, mm-hmm. um, you know, into local churches and communities. And, and some of these churches are just doing the most amazing things. So we were really passionate about that. So we decided, right, we're going to move to America. So we uh, we kind of we we sold everything we had and came over here. And I'd I'd never been to America before. Chris uh, Heaslip, the company CEO, he he had been to America and and uh, he was probably born in the wrong country. This is this is him through and through over here. And so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we just uh, we just decided we'd come over here. And and I I was sort of the guinea pig. I, I jumped on the plane first and came over and. Um, we started in LA actually, and people kind of always ask us, why did you start in LA? And it's because there was a direct flight from Auckland to LA. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was as sophisticated um, as it got. Yeah. And good planning. Yeah, so good planning. And so we just we kind of we kind of got going on that and, and um after a period of time realized that we might be better suited culturally to the Pacific Northwest and came up here and found some great people. And I think, you know, early on, you know, had two or three staff up here and then um you know seven years on just at the time i exited push bay which i've just finished um as you know uh you know i think there's about 400 staff in total there now so and and the company went on to do some just the most extraordinary things and now just knocking on the door i think by the end of 2020 they've said they'll be at 10 billion dollars per year and given which is just absolutely extraordinary um so I, I learned a lot through that experience, and, and the company uh, was successful, and and um, it was my first go at a startup, and the team uh, was extraordinary, and and like I said, after seven years, just felt like it was time for me to finish up. But I think in all of that, um, you know, uh, you, you you learn a lot about life, and I think you learn a lot about who God is if you're willing to to seek Him out in those environments and and uh, so it was really cool so yeah i guess that's a little bit of my story yeah. well it's an incredible story and uh, <laughs> i appreciate you sharing it i mean being a part of uh, a small portion of that is really exciting for me because i get two perspectives mine and i get yours and and it's really cool to see what uh we've been able to accomplish with what you started and what you and chris did an incredible job at is building culture um i think that if if I could give anybody uh, any insight into who Pushpay is, 
Um, one thing that would stand out if you were to walk the halls of the of the office would be the culture that's been created amongst the staff. And that that stems from the work that you and Chris did early on. I, I know a little bit of your story in terms of how you guys, but you, you were really intentional with what you wanted to build. Um, and I know that generosity, obviously, with a, a company that serves the church in terms of giving, um, but generosity was something that you guys wanted at the core of who the two of you were and who the company was and the people that were involved in the company. Talk a little bit about that. What what was the driving force for that? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that we did early on before we even incorporated the company was we began to think about, uh, you know, what values would we want to have. And, and we wrote a lot of that down before, you know, anything was uh, sort of, uh, formalized in any way. So I remember we wrote the five values that we, we have, even the company has today. Um, and that was really set in stone uh, early on. And that, you know, that those values, we talk about them so much when I was at Pushpay, but, you know, generosity, simplicity, excellence, innovation, and people come first. And for us, we, we wrote those things down because they were really precious to Chris and I. I think one of the things that we learned was that values are really at the core of everything and, and everything else is preferential. So, you know, you might like the, you know, the color of the paint this way or the, you know, the, the look of that or the flavor of this, so to speak, metaphorically, but that's all ancillary to, to the values that make up any organization. And so we, we understood that uh, pretty early on, if, you know, and we also understood that values were going to come from Chris and I, it was not something that you could, uh, purchase or you could ask other people um, to, to install you had to install it yourself and you had to live that out yourself and so we 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 got really fired up about that and we began to kind of invest into that and one of the things about I think leadership and whether you are you know leading a family or whether you're leading a large organization you know or, or whatever it is you think that you said the values once and so everybody should have them, but I think you have to continue to repeat them uh, over and over again. Uh, we, you know, as people, we're, we're, we're pretty uh, forgetful, you know, and so we need to hear truth repeatedly. And it's one thing. I think the other thing is that you have to live it out as well. And so we looked for practical ways to both uh, speak out and live out our values at Push Bay repeatedly as much as possible. And, and we didn't get it right all the time, for sure, you know, and, and, and it's just the nature of, you know, um, what it's like to be a human. But whenever you could, whether, hey, this is what generosity means to us, let's look for a way to, to live this out, or this is what excellence means to us, or this is what people come first means to us, and we're going to both talk about it, and we're both going to you know, live that out as much as possible. So so those were things that were really, you know, precious, and I think that you can do that you know, whether you're leading a team of, you know, 10 people or whether you're leading, you know, a, a small business like we were with, you know, 400 people, whether you are the CEO of a company with, you know, 10,000 people, um, whatever it is, or whether you're a mom and you're at home, you know, or you're a dad and you're at home and you're, yeah. you know, doing whatever God has called you to do, you can, you know, live those values out that, you know, you feel like God's impressed on your heart. Um, so I think we probably one of the things that we did really well was we articulated them and we wrote them down. They were not ambiguous. They were clear and they had definition. We took time to do that. And then out of that, we got to sort of disseminate them uh, strongly. 
And I think the other thing about it for us is it allowed us to set culture so that when people would come into the environment that didn't fit those values, they would leave uh, or they would change. And that's either one of those is a good outcome um, because we wanted people that, you know, like if people kind of throw the word culture around a lot, but, you know, like as if culture is, you know, ping pong tables and, you know, being able to, you know, take Friday afternoons off. That's not actually culture. Um, culture is like a set of values that you have and it's different than other places. And so it needs to repel the wrong people and attract the right people so you can mm-hmm. um, stick closest to the mission, the mission and the vision that you've been given. So. Yeah, I think that's incredible. I was I was thinking as you were saying that about a story that I've heard Bob Goff share about how, mm-hmm. you know, just he has conversations with staff and and if maybe they're not the right culture fit, he sees he sees some things that come up and he'll just say, Hey, here's, here's who we are. And if they don't, if, if they don't change to that, then mm-hmm. like, Hey, there's nothing wrong with who you are. Like w- we support you hundred percent, but this is who we are here. So feel mm-hmm. free to, to, to be that elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he's always, yeah, he's okay. always such a kind guy about it, but he's also like Bob mm-hmm. Goff is so kind and so blunt at the same mm-hmm. time. And he's an incredible person, but I think you, you have to protect that culture. I think that's really important to keeping well, your company moving in the direction you guys want it. I think protecting culture for the sake of protecting mission and vision, that's the point. Culture is a means to an end. Yep. And so what we're saying is that, you know, like, hey, I've got this vision. I believe it's important. I'm called to this thing. I have this purpose. Whether it be like, you know, I want to succeed in this business or I want to be the best father I can be, or I want to lead my church well, fill in the blank. Like God has given you a purpose and a mission. And if you don't have that yet, then you need to figure it out. Assuming you know what he's called you to, then culture is a vehicle to achieve what he's asked you to achieve um, and to go and do what he's asked you to do. And I I just, I think that, you know, um, otherwise, you know, I think culture without mission is just a click. and I don't want that. I never wanted that. We didn't want just people that looked the same and sounded the same. We wanted people that were going to help us run towards the goal that we had. I think that culture allows us to, you know, attract the right people and it allows us to retain the right people. Uh, but, you know, the end game of culture is it allows us to to walk towards a mission or, or an outcome, which is critically important. Yeah, no, that's so good. So good. Well, um, I know that from conversations with you, it seems like God was constantly teaching you new things throughout the course of this time. And, and uh, for those listening, I mean, th- this co- company started with Elliot and Chris, and, and then they brought on one guy to, to build out a prototype for, uh, for a mobile application back in 2011, right? So this was, this was Game Changer in 2011. And fast forward to today, um, where I, I still work for this company, I think value, valued at about a billion dollars, and we're doing astronomical things within the church space to support communities. And so God was teaching all of us, including yourself from our conversation stuff all along the way. If you had one particular thing that was just, this was the the mind-blown game changer for you, something God taught you through this journey of, of seven years, what would what would that be? What, what would you share with the, the guys today? Yeah, I would say that um, 
any good characteristic that we ever exhibit is a reflection of God. You know, so like that's the first thing I would say, you know, just to kind of lead into the answer to that question. Like we're made in his image. And so whenever we exhibit good and godly characteristics, it's it's us reflecting the goodness of God. So, you know, even, you know, that I think is just such a, a cool framework to understand, um, you know, and to kind of get more like understanding around like when you when when God is producing fruit in your life, you know, he, he kind of gets all the credit for that. One of the things that he was speaking to me about, and it probably uh, took a long time for me to understand this, <laughs> um, but was generosity. It was a really big deal. I think that generosity is definitely a reflection of the heart of God. It's something that is really uh, precious to God. It's it's something that um, when we live it out, we're exhibiting, I think, a really tangible manifestation of who God is. He's a giving God. Um, he's a generous God. And uh, and so we kind of get to do that, which is the coolest thing. Uh, but for me, generosity, um, I think one of the things is people often say, hey, I'll be generous when I have more or I'll be generous when I achieve this level of success. I, 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 I don't believe that at all. I think that we have to be generous and faithful in the small um, if you can't be faithful with the little, it'll be basically impossible to be faithful with more. Um, and so that is just such an intrinsic uh, sort of truth and principle um, that I, I learned over time as well. Um, I, I love generosity. I think that it's a really uh, cool way of making an impact in somebody else's life but also worshiping God. Um, and that can take so many different forms. You know, I think generosity on a daily basis um, is about having your eyes open to give of the currency in your life to somebody else. Sometimes that currency can be, you know, time. It can be emotion. It can be a listening ear. It can be advice probably on a more rare occasion. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It can be, um, you know, actually practically helping somebody who just needs that. Um, and sometimes that currency can be money, um, you know, and, and you know, being able to depart with any one of those currencies uh, for the sake of somebody else and be selfless in it. Uh, you know, like I think generosity, like oftentimes what we want to do is give our second and third best. Like if you, uh, you know, you, you have a, a lot of money um, and you it's easy for you to give money away, but you're not willing to give up your time. I would argue that you're actually struggling with generosity. Um, you know, for yeah. some people that, um, you know, like they don't have any resources like money to give. And so what they're doing is they're giving their time and the energy and their love to uh, somebody else that needs it. I think that's incredible. So that's one way that you do generosity. I think generosity is something that you decide to do. You know, the Bible tells us that we're leaky vessels. <laughs> so kind of what we'll get filled up in this area. And then, you know, like over a period of time, like you've got to get filled up again. I, I think that like any godly characteristic, whether it be generosity or anything else, um, is something that you both train and maintain. It doesn't just happen and you've ticked that box. It's something that you work on and then maintain. You know, it's just like a muscle. Hey, like yeah. I've lived out generosity in the past and kind of you look down, you're a little bit like, man, I'm I'm out of shape. Like I'm not in the shape I was. Like, And, and I think that when you feel that prompting from God, to, hey, I want to live this out. I want to live generosity out uh, in a 
in a meaningful way, that's a decision that you make on a daily and a weekly basis, not a one-time gig. Um, yeah. So, you know, and then, of course, there's like really practical uh, ways, you know, I mean, for me, I've, I've just been, I, I've just felt so strongly about, you know, supporting the church that I'm planted in, you know, hey, I, this is the church I call home, this is where I am, this is what they're doing in the community, and I want to uh, give in a way that allows them to go and fulfill the mission that they've got, you know, I mean, you know, church that I'm uh, a part of here in, in Seattle, you know, just doing extraordinary things to reach people mm-hmm. all over the world, in fact, and whether it be missions trips yeah. or, you know, different things like that or, or whatever. And I love that. I, I, you know, I love being part of church home. So, so those are things that, you know, like generosity can take different formats, but I think it's a daily thing. And there's a cool verse that talks about how, you know, generous people, the godly devise generous things. It's something that you scheme on, you think on, you plan on. So my encouragement to, to anybody listening around generosity is, Hey, have a plan and, and take some time to think about what that looks like. Um, because without a plan, as soon as any pressure comes, you're just going to fall over. Like you've got to be yeah. intentional about it. And and I would argue you have to be intentional about it before you have any success as well. Um, that's the time uh, to prove it and test it um, in a good way. Yeah, that's incredible wisdom. And I love, you know, the leaky vessel is, is such a, a good um word picture for us because quite frankly that that's something i experienced with you a lot i would go back to you and have conversations where you just kind of fill back up what you'd already filled <laughs> and you know reminding and and i think consistency and and that, that's a display of something that's consistent in your life the ability to then have what you need to pour out into others because you're consistently filling that back up and and training that so um you you've always been the king of kind of one-liners of wisdom and and you just mentioned, you know, (laughs) faithful with little faithful with much. I mean, that was one of a few that has just really, I I mean, I didn't say that's based in scripture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's scripture, but it's like that, that, you know, has always stuck with me because that was uh, your answer for so many things. Right. So like, is, is somebody being faithful over here with these little things and should we promote them? Uh, Are they going to be faithful with, with more? Right. And, the other thing that you you told me was God rarely elevates somebody above their character. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Just we'll just kind of open the floor for that one. And, and however you want to talk about it, I, I think there's so much wisdom in that. But I I'd love to hear kind of where you're at in this season and what that means to you now. Yeah, I mean, you know, like God really elevates somebody past their fill in the blank. Like you know, God often won't elevate people past their level of humility, or God often won't elevate people past their level of you know whatever it is and i think that's um, a sign of how much he loves us because we're not ready for what you know he wants us to step into and you know i i mean you know a couple of big words obviously salvation that's that moment where we accept jesus christ into our life and uh, he forgives us of our sin but sanctification is this process where he's making us look more and more and more like him over a period of time um which is the coolest thing i mean you know as Christians, we are conforming to the image of Christ. Uh, and so Christ was perfectly humble. He was perfectly wise. He was perfectly kind. He was perfectly patient. You know, there was this fruit in his life. And, you know, we get this list of you know, the fruit of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, etc., self-control, kindness, goodness. So as a man, I am called to that. I am a long way from it. Sometimes I'll take two steps forward and one back. But God and his goodness is walking me towards that and he is purifying me. 
he will use so many different mechanisms to do that. And he will use things that were intended for evil. He will use things that were painful in order to make me look like him. He might not have caused that, you know, like there's so many people that will be listening that are like, I've been through this. I've been through that. I've been through this. I've been through that. And each one of those situations was very painful but God can take that thing, which he didn't orchestrate, but when it's submitted to him, he'll cause it to become something that generates character in your life. The reason God doesn't often allow us to step into something if our character won't support it is because we will crash and burn, and he loves us too much for that. I mean, like, if you have, you know, uh, I, I got two little boys, you know, when they come to the age of driving, they're not going to get the keys to a Lamborghini on day one. They're going to uh, they grow into it, improve themselves, um, and when they have that, uh, you know, maturity to handle something, then they might be ready for that. God is that's just a reflection of a good father. You know, God is not going to. Oftentimes, He doesn't allow us to step into things yet um, because we might not have the maturity or the wisdom or the kindness or the patience or the humility to handle the spotlight that might come with that. I think the inference of that, it can make you feel like, yeah, well, you know, somebody has achieved success, therefore they're more humble than me, or, you know, I haven't achieved success, therefore I'm not humble. But this is very, very, very much a principle, not a rule. God calls everybody to different things, and there's a grace on people's lives. You know, a, you know, a, a father over here is called to this, or a mother over there that's called to this, or a CEO that's called to that. Like, everybody's got a different calling, so I'm not talking about that, but you know, I would say that, you know, and, and the other thing I'll quickly say about that is, you know, a question like that can lead us to believe that elevation is a reflection of holiness. It's not, you know, like that's, mm -hmm. I don't mean that at all, but I yeah. would say that, you know, like striving for godly character in our life is the coolest thing. And it allows us, um, I think, to at least be positioned that God can use us in that way if he wants to. Um, yeah, and I, I, like I say, it is a reflection of his love, his protection over us that he doesn't allow us to step into something prematurely when we can't handle it. Yeah, it makes me think of conversations you and I had a number of times about the story of Joseph. And yep. yeah, you know, like it, day one was him having this vision of his family bowing down to him and serving mm -hmm. him, right? Like, you know, and 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 he didn't get inserted into you know, being the second in command of the most powerful country in the world the next day, right? He went through a journey of tests and character mm -hmm. development yeah. and, you know, uh, came out the other side being uh, someone of righteous character and honoring God. And, and yeah. then he was in a position where he was able to utilize the elevation that he experienced to actually serve others. Yeah. And I think it's such a powerful picture um, of, of what it sounds like you're, you're kind of talking about. Yeah, for sure. A lot of the time we, we view testing as so negative. Like it's not negative. It's it's good. You know, God is teaching us something. And we just even apply this like, you know, in an academic sense. What happens with testing? You learn something and then you sit in an exam room and you try and pass the test. And the examiner is at the front of the room and he's often quiet. He knows all the answers. He's just standing there. And you can ask him. He's not going to say anything because you're in the test. Like you're in this moment right then of like, do I know the answer to what I've already been taught? 
And, you know, the coolest thing about God is that he'll let us reset the test when we fail it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like there is, I mean, there's a testing process where, like, we get proven and and that forges a character in us. There's a passage in um, the Old Testament which talks about being refined by fire. And I love that passage because oftentimes what we sort of think about when it comes to, um, you know, like, being Christian is it's all going to be kumbaya and, you know, we're all happy. And you know, actually like you, you go through stuff and, and oftentimes like whatever that is, it, it might not be the hand of God that did that, but like, you know, like you went through something, you were the victim of something and, and it's really painful um, as you kind of journey through that. But God will use that in order to refine you uh, over time. Yeah. And that passage talks about being a refining fire. What the, the, the goldsmith would do is heat the gold up. And then all of the, the rubbish would come to the, 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 I think it's called dross, that, that would come to the surface. And then it would get scraped off and put in the trash. And then the gold would cool and then they'd repeat the process over and over and over again. And the goldsmith would know that the gold was ready when he could see his own reflection in it. And that's what it's kind of like, is like we kind of go through these tests and they refine us and they get us ready. Joseph had this huge mission and he went through all of these tests and then he was ready to actually be able to walk that out. You know, as a young man, he demonstrated his lack of readiness through just, you know, imprudence and the language he was using and the things he said to his Mm -hmm. brothers. We have an opportunity with God to be tested and proven and refined over time. And I think like when I think about like that, it gives me permission to, instead of, uh, being negative towards those experiences and to be upset about them, but actually to embrace them. You know, Paul talks about how those things generate character in us and, and so we can celebrate them. Um, you know, I, I think it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for, for everyone listening, I told you I was excited for this interview because Elliot has tremendous wisdom for uh, anybody let alone somebody that's his age. And so I'm, I'm super excited for uh, what he's sharing. Uh, It's always a blast to talk to him. I would say, however, though, the one thing that has always been a staple of the character of who Elliot is, is humility. And it doesn't matter what he walks through. um, He, and, and Elliot, thank you for being an example to all of us to, to go from zero to 60 in a number of different areas of life and maintain such an incredible level of humility. Um, what I would ask from you is if you, if you had to give, obviously that's, that's a display of Christ in your life, right? Like that is him transforming your heart, but practically speaking, how do people listening, how, how can they start to see a level of success in their life and protect themselves from that success becoming an idol and being mm. kind of attached to that and maintaining humility through it. Well, thank you for your kind words. Um, I really appreciate that. I, uh, means a lot. I would say that humility is, is a big deal, especially, you know, like as a man, especially as a man, that's like, you know, purpose driven and, you know, like ambitious and, competitive you know like those are those are good things that's great you know like it's the way god made you but you have to take those characteristics and submit them back to him 
you know, like you go run with those characteristics in isolation and, you know, you'll see a shadow side of them. You'll see a dark side of them really quickly. So you've got to take those characteristics and submit them to God. And I think that humility is the fastest way to do that. Humility, I mean, you know, like, oh, it's a, it's a choice, you know, and it's, it's hard, but it's the right thing to do. And I think that for every single person, you've got to come up with particular ways um, to, to live that out. You know, humility is kind of the choice that we make. Humiliation is when it happens to us. <laughs> and uh, I don't really want to encounter that. Um, you know, in the times of my life where I have encountered it, it's been due to my own, you know, inability to humble myself previously. So I would just say that, you know, like humility is something that we get to choose. God gives us the option of doing that. And it's it's such a, again, a reflection of a loving father that he would call us to humility. Um, yeah, for me, really practically, you know, I would say that there are particular things that you can do. And pride is the opposite of humility. And it, it manifests in interesting ways. And if you can figure out you know, in what setting over a period of time do I begin to develop these characteristics, then you will be able to guard against them. You know, Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's metaphorically speaking about like, hey, if you, you know, like if if you know that you have this propensity, then guard against it, uh, work yeah. against it and, and put yourself in a position where, you know, you can be, uh, you know, you can be safer. Um, I, I think that, you know, the root of pride, just to kind of like get right down into it, is basically I can be like God. I can be God and I can build my own kingdom. And so the question I always want to ask is whose kingdom am I building? Is it mine or is it is it God's kingdom? If it's God's kingdom, that's a good answer. And very regularly, you know, on a, on a, on a daily basis, I'll find myself or, you know, I guess the Holy Spirit will convince, hey, you, you're actually doing this for you. And I'm not talking about like, hey, like enjoy like what is in front of you. Yes. And and like you yeah, have ambition and but like take the things in your life and submit them to to what God is calling you to. There is humility in that. And, uh, you know, like that verse, you know, store up treasure in heaven, Matthew 620. It, it, it's about taking what you have and the abilities that you have or the resources that you have and submitting them to God's plan instead of living them out for your own plan. Um, you know, that verse, it talks about how Jesus made himself of no reputation. This was the creator God coming as a man and into a broken world and living with all of the challenges that I live with and some. And he did that in total humility. I mean, I think that humility is probably the biggest and most attractive thing I could possibly identify in anybody I was hiring and people that I want to be friends with and uh, the people that I trust. Um, and it comes out in such cool ways. They're teachable, you know, like you know, people I know that are extremely successful, that are humble. Like you would think that they don't need to learn anything. They're so teachable because they're humble. Um, you know, they uh, people that uh, handle themselves well in certain settings is, is usually linked back to you know, their humility as a person. Um and, you know, the fastest way to, to become humble is just to ask God for perspective. 
I find myself drifting from humility towards the alternative when I take my eyes off who God is and when I remember who he is being, you know, creator and being uh, my savior and my provider and my protector, that uh, is, is when, you know, like if I have my eyes on him and remember those things, it becomes very easy, easy to be humble. When I, I drift from that and I start to rely on myself and I get caught up in me and what I'm doing and, and all of that, then, you know, like it's, it's really a slippery slope and it's not long before things begin to kind of get out of whack and out of line. Um, honestly, I think humility is such a big deal. And, you know, as a man, you know, you're, you know, you're gifted. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you did four tours, you know, and, and uh, you know, serving America and, and, and the military and, you know, you go through these things and you start to think, oh, I can do it. I can do it. And you can. God's given you the ability. But if you'll take that and if I'll take my abilities and I'll submit it back to God, there's safety in that and there's there's humility in that. And it's a constant thing. I, I go back to the thing I said before about leaky vessels. You know, if you'll live in a state of constant repentance, basically, where you're consistently hearing the Holy Spirit and, you know, you're allowing him to um, to put his finger on things in your life, then what will end up happening is, as you you have these experiences uh, and you you drift from him in some small way, then he'll pull you back towards him, which is the coolest thing ever. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's huge. I think as we as we look at the Lord, like the more that we keep him front and center, the bigger he gets and the smaller we get. And I mm. think it just helps perspective. I think you're you're right on the money. Um, I I guess. Uh, I, I want to be respectful of your time and of our listeners' time. Um, the, the last question I would have for you is kind of fun. Um, you know, you just uh, pretend you just walk through the front door of your house and, and you're and you're kind of navigating into your living room and and you turn over to the right there by the, by the TV and you see sitting on the couch is is 18 year old Elliot and mm. you you have a few minutes to sit down with 18 year old Elliot and give him any amount of advice that, that, that you think is worthy of giving him at 18, uh, that you now know at what, 31, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would you say? What, what does 18 year old Elliot need to know? Oh man, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I would say, I would say, I would say perspective, you know, like, Really, God is calling to us, us to a place of perspective, you know, consistently, like whether it's like, you know, like the macro, which is, you know, eternity through to, you know, the short term, which is what's happening over the next few years, you know, and um, what kind of opposite of that is, is like, you know, when we lose perspective and all we can see is right here, right now. And so we make impulsive decisions based on the immediacy of now. and. Um, I think God offers us a different way and he allows us perspective uh, and he invites us into a place of perspective. Um, and in, in that place of perspective, you'll stop making decisions out of fear, you know, where you kind of like, well, if I don't do this now, then I'm going to miss out or, or whatever it is. And, and, and so instead of that, you can start making like life decisions, big or small, you know, from a place of faith. Um, and I, I think that that 
that's a really powerful thing. I would encourage it. Yeah, and the other thing is like perspective as well. Even people that just heard that word, they're like, oh, cool, that would have been great to know when I was 18, but I'm also 31 or I'm also 45 or I'm also 60. Like, you know, again, like, you know, that I think God is always inviting you into a place of perspective. It's never too late for perspective. You know, there's always there's always time. There's always uh, opportunity. So I, I think that's just an ongoing lesson, you know, every day. Um, having perspective around this decision or this thing or this whatever it's going to be in your life today uh, and, and, and making it from a, a wider vantage point around what the future might look like instead of, you know, what now might look like is, is a big deal. Man, so good. Elliot, as always, incredible wisdom. I mean, it's such a pleasure to be able to spend time with you uh, whenever I do and, and, I cherish our friendship. So appreciate you coming on to, to share with other folks. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, you know, we, we'd love to have you on again, maybe talk about uh, uh, some other topics about leadership. Sounds like you've got plenty to say and, and we would love to hear it. But uh, again, thanks so much for taking a few minutes out of your day. Uh, what a pleasure, man. Uh, it's good to speak with you and, and uh, we'll talk again shortly. God bless, mate. Hi, right, man. See ya.